The Grappling Hour is brought to you by Ludagear, athletic support items created by grapplers for grapplers. Fire Grub Meal Prep. Meal Prep. Done right. Listen, I'm excited that you guys have woken up this early to say hello to me, but today I'm bringing a friend, and here's what I have to say about this gentleman. He is um, a big guy, like, he is powerful. So when I say, you know, we, we discuss people are being beasts in jiu-jitsu, I literally have a beast with me <laughs> on this line right now uh, who could probably break me. But let's get the formalities out of the way. Uh, his name is Chad Wesley Smith. Maybe you've heard of him. I mean, he's got a YouTube page with over 200,000 subscribers. They are hilarious videos about lifting, about life, about beer, which we will talk about because that is my favorite part of what he is doing right now. Um, but he is the owner and founder of Juggernaut Training Systems. Uh, and I think he's on record for hosting more programs than I do which is insane because I host like about nine different shows and categories. But ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our guest for today, Chad Wesley Smith. Chad, how you doing, man? Uh, pretty good, Rap. Thanks for having me. Not bad. Okay, so I have to ask this very quickly because I wish I could read off what your exact uh, records are for lifting, but I feel that I would bastardize it so much that I was like, you know, I'm just going to ask you to tell the people what your, your PRs are. Yeah, uh, so competing in powerlifting in, in a belt and knee wraps as the as the equipment, I squatted uh, 440 kilos, 970 pounds, benched uh, 257.5 kilos, 567 pounds, and deadlifted 370 kilos, 815 pounds, uh, and then my best total in a in a single meet, so squat, bench, deadlift in one meet was 1,055 kilos, 2,325 pounds, which when I did it, I think was the ninth uh, heaviest of all time. I've, I've since been knocked down that list a little bit, but uh, maybe to like 15, 16th. You know, um, records are meant to be broken. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's the point. But can I ask this? Those are very impressive records, the most important of which that I have to wonder in my head is, do you make one trip with groceries? Is it is it one of those things where you go no 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 I don't bring my home my work home with me, once I'm done with the bar I'm done. Well, it de depends how close a meet is. Sometimes you know if you're if you're trying to peek for for things then I might need to get like a little rascal scooter and a basket to not ex expend any extra energy. So here's what I don't understand. What I don't understand is, you know, at what point does this find your its way into your life? You know, I know that you were an athlete. I know that you, you did shot put in high school. Um, I know that that was something that was, was good to you. And I know that 
lifting weights and being strong and having a good strength training regimen is, is helpful when you're young. But what's the moment when you know you want like more power? Like you want to actively be doing this uh, and lifting as more than just a hobby? Uh, you know, something I was like fascinated with my whole life um, from watching Arnold Schwarzenegger movies and Rocky and all that kind of stuff when I was a kid. Probably watched the Rocky training montage too many times, to, even to the point where my mom said I was nine years old getting ready to play uh, yeah, youth football for the first year. And I was taking the, the bungee cords that you would use to like hold stuff down in the back of a truck and like linking a bunch of them up and like lashing myself to a tree in the backyard to do bungee resistant sprints at nine years old. Uh, so I was always fascinated by it. And then uh, I did track in through college and, and for one year as a post collegiate and was two time uh, collegiate national champion in the shot put. And then uh, after throwing for a year as a post-collegiate, I'd started my company, Juggernaut Training Systems, and you know, was Olympic hopeful, certainly, in the shot put, but then just kind of got to the point where I was like, oh, I'm also working about 70 hours a week training training athletes, yeah. so I didn't really have time to pursue shot put the way I wanted to anymore, but I was like, well, I'm already strong as hell, so uh, might as well do something with that, so let's try a powerlifting meet, and uh, squat 800 pounds at my first powerlifting meet, and that was back in 2010, so I just kind of kept kept going with it. So this is where it gets confusing to me because all I ever think about in terms of lifting, especially in doing jiu-jitsu, is I just need enough. Like, I don't need to go over a certain amount. I go, I just need to, like, be able to not be super embarrassing. Like, if you can put some weight on the bar, I usually feel pretty good about myself. But I've always had this thing where I'm like, man... I just could never imagine when someone goes, this is a very heavy bar. Like, I feel I would lose, like, helpers who are going to help me with my, <laughs> my squat or anything like that. What is one of the most surprising aspects that you've found about um, being in this profession? Because I love when I'm listening to people talk about their craft. And one of the things I found so particularly refreshing about the way that you approach weightlifting is that you're very candid about, there are certain things that are very much your jam and you say, this is what I like. And you're also very honest about saying like, you know, this isn't for me. Uh, this certain style is not really what I particularly uh, do myself, but I'm happy to talk with you about it. So what is it that you found that is the most surprising about weightlifting? Uh, well, a couple of things to clarify for, for the viewers and listeners is so i'm talking about the sport of powerlifting where weightlifting is actually its whole own other sport which would be the snatch and clean and jerk which a lot of people would call olympic lifting mm. or some crossfitters would call oli uh so that's kind of its whole other thing we have a, another coach at juggernaut named max ada uh who is our weightlifting coach um but you know just it's it's just kind of it's its own unique niche sort of sort of world like jujitsu is that has its own culture and stuff and and i've been and fortunate to be able to, to bridge that gap in some ways, even going back to to the origins of creating Juggernaut Train Systems, uh, which I started straight out of college in 2009. Uh, we had this sport performance gym that I, I started off with literally zero clients. Uh, so it was kind of cold calling, cold calling people right off the bat. And one of the first people that I contacted, I, I got on the phone and I was like, oh yeah, there's all these MMA and jiu-jitsu gyms around Orange County. So I just went down the list and started calling them. And got in contact with a, a gym called Gigante BJJ, and uh, show, show uh, you know talked to the guy on the phone. I was like, "Hey, can I come by and, t and tell you a little bit about what we do?" 
And I walked in, and there's a six foot seven, two hundred fifty pound Brazilian dude named Fabio Vilela. And I was like, you know, I can help you get better, you know, stronger, better condition for jujitsu. And uh, he's like, all right, I'll tr- I'll try it out. And he was coming by to train, and you know, two or three weeks later, he really liked it, and and more jujitsu athletes started started coming to to train. So I actually got the opportunity to do strength and conditioning for about three years for a lot of really really mm-hmm. top. Jiu-Jitsu athletes, uh, Hamalu Bahao, uh, Kairon Gracie, uh, Philippe Pena was coming from Brazil for like pre-Worlds training camps uh, back when he was just a purple belt. Um, and so I got to work with him, Victor Estima, uh, Roberto Alencar, uh, pretty much for a time, like every Gracie Baja professor in Southern California, I think was uh, was coming to the gym to train and they, they'd always be... Yeah, you know, I was I was really big in, in competing in, powerlif- in powerlifting and strongman at that time, uh, but they'd always be, "Oh, Shed, come on, man! Like, come on, you got to roll with us. You're gonna smash everybody." And <laughs> we'd go, go to the tournaments and and people, I'd have my juggernaut shirt on, and and they'd be like, "Oh, it's the juggernaut! Come on, oh, oh Shed, you're gonna smash them! Come on!" <laughs> and you know, I'd done like one or two classes back then, and and we had mats that we'd roll out at the gym for for part of their conditioning that I do a little bit of stuff here and there, but never really, uh, you know, got into it. Cause I was like, I can't get my, my elbow or my shoulder injured cause I got to do powerlifting meets. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it wasn't until, uh, about last, last August that I sort of was just bored of powerlifting at that time. And I was like, all right, let's give uh jujitsu a shot. So called up my old friend, Philippe de la Monica, the, the head professor at Gracie Baja headquarters in Irvine. And, He's like, yeah, fundamentals class. Let's go for it, buddy. <laughs> See, this is fascinating to me because I, I think when you mention all of these names, these are some of the strongest guys in jujitsu. So that's a that's a really big hallmark to you. And obviously, their competitive success is no secret to to many of us. But do you look at their uh, efforts and just go like, that's okay? Like to us, they're the strongest guy. But to you, it's got to be like, I mean, they lift okay. Yeah, you know, it's it's all relative uh, for sure. Like, w- like what is strong enough in jujitsu is not going to be very impressive powerlifting. I mean, Hamlo was definitely the the strongest weight room uh, guy, but there there are plenty of people. Like, even when I when I roll with Professor Philippe now, I mean, squat, bench, and deadlift, I'm probably three four times as as strong as him. But uh, that that you know what a sports science term would be special strength. Uh, for jujitsu, he has way more than than me. Whether it's grip or the way you know, I say that that technique is the the way that allows an athlete, and this is in any sport, technique is what allows someone to express their strength and power. So you know, a third degree black belt, Professor Farrow is expressing his strength so efficiently, while I'm just spraying mine wildly, you know, wasting it all over the place. I have to ask this because you use the the phrase special strength and. I don't think anybody has ever used that phrase uh, unless to emphasize the special uh, in regards to me. So <laughs> what, what exactly does that mean? Uh, so special strength is what a lot of people would probably call sport-specific strength. I, I just Sport-specific strength in, in my community gets bastardized a lot, I think. So uh, special strength is a term I'm using from a, a Russian coach named Anatoly Bondarchuk in an exercise classification system. So that basically a special strength exercise would be something that mimics uh, the technique, or sorry, the direction, duration, or velocity of a sporting movement, 
while overloading one of those qualities in some way. Mm. Uh, a couple quick comments. Uh, there's a gentleman here, a good friend of mine named Des, who says that you look like Bert Krishner, the machine. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this comedian, <laughs> but he is amazing. He generally has his shirt off. Uh, big shout out to Tommy Soaring, uh, who says this is awesome. I mean, thank you. It's mostly, mostly Chad. Chad, this is interesting to me because, okay, so maybe I can ask you this question. I've always, you know, I was doing uh, some form of weight training when I was uh, doing freshman football. And, and, you know, I picked sports where I needed to be faster at a time. There was a, spe- there was a space in time where I was actually the fastest human being for one year in my school. And then everyone outgrew me. And I was like, oh, I'm not fast anymore. That was it. <laughs> that was a good run, everybody. Um, but there was one thing that I found that when I was doing it, I would always, and this is what's made a problem for jujitsu when you need to frame. So I found that my arm would start like already starting to give out and I've always had to recompensate for things in jujitsu. So I thought I would ask somebody when your arm is extended and it's not fully out and you feel like it's starting to like wiggle. What does that generally mean? Because I've I've heard so many people say different things about that particular thing. Just based off a very short description, uh, can you tell me what you think that is? Because that's one of the things that I've had as a hallmark of, yeah, I don't understand weights. I don't understand any of this. Yeah, I mean, so that's really just like a, a muscular endurance issue most likely. Mm-hmm. But when you're looking at, at training qualities – uh, jiu-jitsu involves a lot of what's called isometric strength, which has been a big change for me from powerlifting, strongman, and, and throwing a shot put, which is a lot of like explosive strength, very short, powerful effort, where in jiu-jitsu you're having to hold positions for a long time um, in, in an isometric hold. So you're not moving in any direction. You're just kind of bracing that position. So a lot of that in jiu-jitsu, uh, you know, big muscular endurance component that's going to be involved in that uh which you know some is going to go to the fiber type of the athlete like a really fast twitch you know sprinter type of athlete wouldn't be that well suited for jiu-jitsu because their their muscle is is great for one you know small all-out effort a lot of power but isn't going to be able to sustain or repeat that necessarily so yeah just developing developing those isometric qualities and muscular endurance is going to kind of be what what helps there okay okay that's good to know I mean, I'm, the whole reason I found jiu-jitsu, personally, is because I was like, I don't want to be at a gym. I don't, I'm not going to be on a treadmill. Like, it's just not going to happen. I used to do that for a while, and it was just like, uh, just get exhausted and not finding it. So I, that was part for me, was finding that regimen of, you know, I think it's important people find something that uh, speaks to them, and that they're active and they do something. And I told people, I was like, you know, things change when someone's trying to murder you. And uh, then all of a sudden you find they're like, you're not at all worried about how many times you've been uh, working out or how long it's been going on. What is it that was doing the switch to you? Because I always ask this, this is a really important thing for me, but when did you know you were hooked to jujitsu? Because, you know, you've been doing it now for a few months. Brent's spoken very highly of your ability and, and your kind of grappling IQ. Um, but there was a story that I saw that got your interest in it, but I'm curious When's the moment that you know this is kind of something that you're like, oh, I'm actually really interested in this? Uh, you know, the the challenge of it was was interesting almost right off the bat, like getting you know beat by smaller people and and 
and at the same at the same time like sort of the first time i think i did like the move of the day from that day's class and like actually made it work on someone i was like professor did you see i, I did it. the one that you showed us today I did it. <laughs> and so that that was like a, a fun thing but it's it's really just how endless seeming the the technique is you know and yeah squat bench deadlift all that stuff like there's technique and that's that's important but it's the same every time where jiu-jitsu is like this just seemingly endless technique to me uh so i'm just excited about you know the process of of learning that and like when i roll with brent or or professor philippe or something you know i i know they have a hundred different ways to go from every one of these situations where i'm i'm pumped if i have like three things i know how to do from a certain situation I mean, you know, you you didn't pick uh, slouches. Let's put it that way to learn from. You know, and, and Brent's not necessarily a small guy, so I think he's got a good bridge into knowing, like, hey, I kind of recognize this is how your body might work. So yeah. here are some cheat code systems to maybe uh, up your level a little bit quicker and faster. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting to train with, I know Philippe, and uh, like, I've never had the opportunity to train with him, but. I've commented on a lot of things he's done. I've seen his work. Um, it's intense. So I'm sure that even, you know, the reduced value version of it, of him just rolling still kind of like what would seem easier is still like, no, it's deadly. Yeah, it's it's crazy to, to watch him roll with people because it's, it's so effortless. And like he's just kind of playing around, toy, toying with people. And the, I did a, another podcast right before this. So I don't sure if I already told this story to you or was the other guy but when i roll with philippe i can only make wrong decisions like wherever i put my hand even if it was right by the time i do it it has become wrong and and i can tell like when he's baiting me into things like i i'm like i could i could grab his his leg right there it's like he's just leaving it out there (laughs) no he wants you to grab it chad he wants you to grab it don't do it and then i do it anyways and then you know it all goes. It all goes downhill from there. It's it's all how we learn, though. That's the beautiful yeah. part. Like I, I do a lot of this, where I feel that a lot of times professors may do what I like to call aptitude tests. So mm-hmm. I may look at them and I go, "I'm going to make this mistake," but I'm making it because I know you're trying to make a point. So <laughs> I choose to put my hand here, and I'm in an omoplata. Okay, I'm dead now. Okay, that was fun. There's something I wanted to ask here because there was an interesting moment where I. I heard in an interview that you said that you credit a lot of uh, what you were doing in terms of your interest in uh, jiu-jitsu to one John Danaher. You said that you were you were kind of listening and you were watching the way he was speaking and it seemed to resonate with you. Do you mind describing that a little bit? Yeah, you know, so I'd probably been training for maybe two, three months of that at that point and, and was listening, you know, saw his his episode of Joe Rogan come up and started listening to it and just really appreciated his approach uh, towards sport training, you know, regardless of jujitsu. Like his his ideas have a lot of application to skill development for any sport and that uh, systematic approach he has to things. So there there were things that he said that that resonated with me and I was like, you know, we can take this and use it with our powerlifters and weightlifters that we coach. But at the, at the same time, you know, something I, I deal with in in my realm is there's so much information available now to, to people that it, it can be definitely overloading to them and, and difficult for them to differentiate between like what's good and useful to listen to versus what 
isn't because the barrier of entry for you know, being an Instagram or a YouTube coach is, is pretty low. <laughs> uh, and, and I caught myself listening to, to John Donahue being like, because he uses a more technical language uh, where I think people do that in the strength and conditioning community to sort of overwhelm their, their audience and, and to make people think like, well, I, I better just agree with them because it sounds complicated. So I don't want to sound dumb and, and disagree with them where I, I caught myself listening to, to John Donahue and was like, I, I paused it and, and text Brent. I was like, I was like, Hey, is this guy like actually good? Or am I just getting caught up in the same thing that, that other you know people in strength and conditioning do? Cause they can't tell the difference. Like I didn't, I don't know enough about what he's talking about to really know, like, <laughs> is this legit or is it, is it kind of, kind of bullshit, especially coming from a lot of the, the nutrition and training stuff that I think Joe Rogan uh, promotes on his show is that way is kind of bullshit, but that's a topic for <laughs> day. Uh, so I wanted to make sure I wasn't getting caught in that. And then obviously once Brent told me like, like, Oh, he coaches all these, you know, just killers that I was like, all right. Yeah. He's, he's definitely, it's, it doesn't just sound good, but I don't know what I'm, I'm listening to. It definitely is good. I'm actually going to be, I'm planning on, on this Saturday. I'll, I'll be in, New York to do a seminar on Sunday. So I'm going to go to Henzo Gracie Academy on Saturday. And I've been trying to get John Donahue on a, on a, my podcast, but to no avail. So maybe I'll just track yeah. him down. Soon. Here's the weird part about, uh, John. I've interviewed him a few times. He's fascinating. Uh, if only in that he, he has this perspective on the game that I think he can articulate not only better than most, but being a philosophy major you know he sat and really thought about what he's yeah. saying years before he's even talked with you about it. So before he's even released the way or his process, you know that there's been years of dissemination and him probably in a lab going, no, <laughs> no. So to, to really get the opportunity to ask him the kind of questions that I do, which usually take him a little bit off center. Uh, at one point I was doing a GSP impression to him. And just saying, like, legit or no, what do you think? And he just, with all seriousness, just goes, Mr. Raffa that was by far the worst <laughs> Joyce Ampere impression that I've ever heard. I'm going to espouse on it for over 49 minutes as to why it was so bad. Uh, and it's, it's a particular, like, he's basically, he looks like a Bond villain who does this amazing amount of training for these superstars who all come out of a factory. So you were very perceptive to know, uh, even without knowing, that he's one of the guys. He's a, a guy who people spend hours reading his Instagram. He's putting out chapters of War and Peace on his Instagram every single day. So um, he's definitely legit. And I'm glad that you're going out that way. Um, definitely just go up, introduce yourself. I'm sure he's going to be fascinated at being like, now, you saw a specimen. Now, a little bit about him. I believe he also has a little bit of a lifting history as well. Yeah. Yeah, he does. So, just saying. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if he's just like, you're big, you don't need any heel hook attacks, but I'm going to give you four. <laughs> That'll change your life. Um, so, that's cool. What are you doing out in New York this weekend? Uh, so we have an event on Sunday called the Performance Summit, which is myself and four of my colleagues presenting on you know, program design, technique development, 
nutrition, recovery, mobility work. Uh, so we'll have a couple hundred people at a Marriott out there listening to us talk about how to lift weights better. <laughs> this is interesting to me because now that you're you're a little bit into your jiu-jitsu um, realm and you're starting to get the hang of it, how much does wearing this gi still like resonate in your head because you've done things that have had nothing like this but does it seem a little weird to be using these pajamas or have you adjusted to the point where it's a normal thing now uh the pajama wrestling is pretty is pretty normal for me at this at this point uh and and some of my lifting friends actually one of the guys i'm presenting with uh this weekend dr mike isratel He's a purple belt at Balance uh, Jiu-Jitsu out in Philadelphia, uh, and he's like a bodybuilder as well as a PhD. So it, Dr. Mike's probably five six two fifty ish. Um, so it's, it's fun to to have people who who are kind of in in both worlds as well, uh, and and have our kind of little meathead Jiu-Jitsu community. Yeah. Okay. This is terrifying, and you might have <laughs> heard me explain this to Brent. Jiu-Jitsu is not made for you. And, like, I know they say it's for everybody, but at a certain point, when you look at a guy and you go, what I'm going to teach you is going to help you, unless you are rolling with maybe a power lifter, and then <laughs> it's just kind of go with God and see what happens for you there. Um, but, I mean, I'm, I'm happy that you're doing this because I know what it does for me and I know what it does for so many other people. And so for somebody who's already accomplished so much in an athletic form, I think people are always looking, especially athletes, like they don't know what to do when they've retired an element of maybe professional competition or going from high school to college. So this is a great way of keeping people athletic while also basically I tell people I'm doing a crossword puzzle when I'm in a bad spot. You know, I tell them I'm like my brain, like I'll put myself in intentionally bad spots and I told Brent, the beauty of what he did was he was able to explain what it is I sometimes try to do mm -hmm. or accidentally have done and been like, oh, I got out like this. And he was just like, he comes up to me and he goes, oh, is that really what happened? I was like, yeah. He goes, yeah, you completely did that wrong, but you ended up okay. And I was like, yeah, I don't do things right. I'm very bad <laughs> at jujitsu. Um, that is pretty dope. I'm glad that you guys are forming your own culture. Um, I have to ask this because, again, lifting is so foreign to me. But I want to come back to that in a second. I did see that you have, amongst your many branded uh, forms of content on your YouTube, you've got uh, you know suggestions on how to clean up people's technique. You have suggestions for um, everyday training. But then you've also got cool things where you do a podcast where you talk with other people in your industry. But I thought this was intriguing. Where did the concept of doing marketing and beer come from? Because I'm looking for every opportunity to drink. And it, I know it's a little too early, but if people didn't frown upon it, I would be drinking now. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, you know the, the nature and kind of tone of most of our content is pretty formal. Um, you know, whether it's the technique tutorials or sort of these program design lectures um, and our, our books and articles as well. So when we created the Jug Life podcast, you know, I wanted to make that show a little bit more personality, have a little bit more fun with it. Uh, and people seem to really, really enjoy that, whether, whether it's our, you know, our, our movie parody intros, which we've got a dozen or so pretty good ones of that. Um, 
or just just having more more fun with it. We all actually just released a couple of weeks ago our first original film, uh, a mockumentary called Heavy Ducks, that combines the worlds of uh, Mighty Ducks, heavyweights, with a sprinkling of Icarus in it, uh, where Tony Perkis plays a Grigory Radchenkov type of character, doping <laughs> Team USA to help them beat Iceland. Uh, but since people sort of enjoyed that stuff, um, I just started kind of a bonus podcast to that called Beers with Chad, which lets me maybe go more in depth on some of the the topics we we had covered in that week's uh, podcast. Talk about you know sort of behind the scenes type of things, or just current event type of stuff going on in in the powerlifting and weightlifting worlds, and give my opinion on that. And I figured you know everyone I think tends to do a little bit better. On a, on a podcast if they're, you know, one or two drinks in. So just get to share that part as well. Yeah, I mean, one of the nice parts I always tell, uh, one of my friends is always like, Doug, you need to get beer sponsorships and you need to do this. And I was like, yeah, I mean, what do you think I'm going to do? Turn them down? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I find that to be a, a very refreshing thing. Uh, do you have a particular uh, brand of beer that you like or is there something – because – I noticed the the realm of the the beers that you were selecting, but I was curious as to do you have a preference? Uh, yeah, definitely an IP, IPA guy. I just started using this app called Tabor, which uh, you get this push notifications and get beers from all over. So that's that's been helping me branch out. But I, I don't consider myself like a, a beer connoisseur by any stretch. Yeah, it's kind of like people who are who are into wine tasting. Yeah, you know, like no one knows what all these wine words mean you just know like i that one tasted good or that one didn't taste as good i would like another of these please um so i have a i have a fascinating way i mean i've i've always liked music and i've always liked uh different arts and i've always found that people uh overcompensate their love for things by trying to appear smarter than they really are most of the time so a lot of times when people would give you like, oh, this new record from TV on the radio, it is one of the, the most brilliant records I've ever heard in my life. You can hear the synthetics and the sounds, and I'm like, you, you like it. That's what you mean, right? They're well, just like, yeah. I, mean, I actually only listened to that band when they used to be called uh, TV on the phonograph, <laughs> and I only listened to them on vinyl. But uh, <laughs> 100%. Yeah. So here's what I want to ask because uh, we got to start wrapping things up, but I wanted to get a couple questions in here just in terms of, of making that bridge between jiu-jitsu and, and uh, you know, some form of structured training, whether it be for, for weights. You know, in, in your experience, what are the benefits for jiu-jitsu practitioners who have found that great way of implementing it? Because I know a lot of us subscribe to the Marcelo, like, I only do jiu-jitsu to get better at jiu-jitsu, but you're somebody who's trained – people who have won world championships. So what is the benefit to those who might not be believers? Yeah. I, I mean, besides being able to create more power in, in the different positions, you're going to be more resilient against injury uh, with a, a well thought out plan. Uh, it can improve, you know, the general power and con- and conditioning that the sport practice, and this goes for athletes in any sport, is the most important mm. but creating that that framework that that you know general base below it if we were to think of like a, a pyramid the 
wider you make the base of the pyramid, the taller you're going to be able to to build it up. So while jujitsu practice and and you know live training and all that stuff is is going to be the most important thing, and the better you get, the more important it's going to be. Um, you know, being gener- generally strong is going to is going to allow you to do the the techniques that you have better. Going to keep you healthier in the long in the long run. really started 2010 2011 when i started coaching a lot of those guys is they had for the most part very limited uh, general physical preparation uh the guys who were coming straight from brazil where they had just done jiu-jitsu where and then i was getting some american guys who maybe were wrestlers or college football players or something who were stronger and and more explosive but didn't have the you know the jiu-jitsu skill and the jiu-jitsu skill is going to be developed so if the guys who have a lot of jujitsu skill don't develop the other part of things too, uh, it's gonna gonna catch up to them. Very cool. Um, so I guess uh, you know before I wrap it up, the one of the questions I also wanted to ask too is where do you see your future for jujitsu? Do you see yourself? I mean, listen, if I saw you in a competition, I think that poor other person would die. So uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it, what is that kind of thing? Do you have certain goals for yourself that you're looking to accomplish now? Um, you know, I, I compete in, in two weeks in, in Vegas. Um, you know, so I'm competing as an adult right now. I, I figure once I go up to blue belt, I'll probably start competing masters there. You know, it would be awesome to be like world champion at, at masters, but I also think I'll kind of go back and forth a little bit doing some, doing another powerlifting meet where I haven't competed for uh, about a year and a half in powerlifting. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure I'll go back and do a powerlifting meet and then kind of come back to do jujitsu, but really just doing whatever sounds fun, uh, to me right now that I've competed in different sports, you know, nonstop from when I was five years old to when I was 30 years old. So now just sort of doing whatever sounds fun, whatever sounds interesting, uh, trying to, you know, improve, improve my game and, and take, you know, kind of take some of these new avenues that jujitsu has given me to form new friendships and relationships with, you know, getting to go out and, and maybe train at, at Henzo Gracie or going and, and doing different stuff like that and just have a good time with it. That's cool. I mean, uh, again, that's that's pretty dope that you, you have the ability. I guess, do they have masters for weightlifting and powerlifting? Uh, yeah, the uh, but for powerlifting, masters would start at 40, but it's it really should start at like 50 because there's – People over forty who are top top world class competitors. They get that old man strength sort of coming in a little <laughs> bit early because that's the whole thing. I, if I were any kind of academic, I would be doing all of my studies on old man strength because I don't <laughs> understand it, and I think it's some sort of weird he man power that you get at a certain age that I don't. I've never been told about until I guess you do it. Uh, Chad, I want to say thank you so much for your time, man. I know you got to get on out of here. Um, just real quick, do you mind giving any uh, plugs that you want to do, or where can people find you? All the good stuff, sir. Yeah, so they can check out our website, uh, jtsstrength.com. Juggernaut Training Systems is the company. Juggernaut Training Systems YouTube, over 200,000 subscribers. The Jug Life Podcast, which is on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and thejuglife.com. Follow on Instagram. I'm at Chad Wesley Smith or the company at Juggernaut Training. That's great stuff. And you know what, man? Here's the nice part. Uh, in the one area that I can tell you any sort of uh, 
uh, advice to, which is for jujitsu. I mean, you've already got all the makings of it. You you have a great mind for it. We hope that you continue to find uh, a great amount of fun in it because uh, we do we are very accepting, despite my hatred of people who are stronger than me, which is everybody. <laughs> uh, but uh, there is such a great place for having different perspectives. And I think it's really cool that you now get to kind of uh, do the activity that you were helping people get so much better at yourself. So um, I really hope that you find some fun in it. And, you know, I'm going to be checking in on you. Now I know you train. I have eyes and ears everywhere in the jiu-jitsu community. So, uh, you know, I'll be, I'll be, be like, yeah, how's that coming? How's, how's the spider guard coming? Is it, is it looking pretty good? It was, it was funny because at, at, uh, at Worlds or the Novice Worlds, uh, Flow Grappling was there, and, and Flow Elite, like another branch of their company, covers a lot of lifting stuff. So the the cameraman, I finished I finished the match, and the the Flow Grappling camera guy comes over. He's like, "Hey man, like big fan of your your lifting, your YouTube and stuff." And I was like, "Oh, that's that's cool." And then they put the the video up, and you know, Brent jokes, he's like, "He's like, you're probably the only white belt to ever have a video on Flow Grappling." And I told, told my girlfriend, I was like, I feel, I feel like the Anna Kornikova of, uh, <laughs> like people know who, know who I am now, but it's not cause I'm not, it's not cause I'm actually any good at the sport. <laughs> uh, I highly doubt that. Uh, I feel, you know, it, it's one thing to talk the talk, but I feel that you honestly, if you have a brain for it and you've done, uh, athletic science, you know, people who have a appreciation for that are the people who go home and diagram or they try and figure things out. And I feel like that's the reason we get people like you is because it becomes a challenge. And when you make that challenge out for yourself, people go home and I'm sure you've now experienced this where you go to bed and you go, half guard, what was I doing there? Oh my God, I should have done something entirely different from there. So uh, I'm just, uh, as a member of the jiu-jitsu community, I want to say welcome to us. We hope to have you around forever. And uh, thank you so much for your time today, man. Uh, we look forward to seeing you. Have a great time in New York. And if you see John, uh, tell him I say hello, good sir. All right, right, will do. Thanks for having me. Not a problem.